you are now about to witness the awesome crushing might of the U.G.S. Robinson I show Stop Welcome my friends to a show that seemingly never sort of kind of never really ends. Uh, this is a V uh, a one seven nine. <laughs> Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. As it has since 2007, we're going to let Bob Riley from Stigmata sing us in. Calling of the Just is the name of the record. Intro All of Nothing is our bumper music since 2007, 14 years. That's longer than I've done a lot of things. And just to show you our hearts in the right place. Just to show you I'm in the right place, I'm going to tell you you can still buy it from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer, shoot you to death in a nightclub, and or get rid of your mayor pro tem named Tito Ortiz. But listen, listen well while I prepare for the show. Papers. But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. Hey, well, my friends, welcome to Sure It Never Ends. We're going to get you in and out in time so you can all watch your legally streaming boxing exhibition match. And I say that with little or no sarcasm because sarcasm is not in the dictionary. Neither is gullible, not in the dictionary. Neither is that word can't, kind of can do. That's what we got going. Anyway, this is 179. As many of you may know, let's get the commercials out of the way first. Uh, Pinko95014 at yahoo.com. That's if you want to go Patreon. There's a Venmo. There's a Cash App. And there's patreon.com slash the Stomper or Stomperville. I can never remember which. It might be seen by some as a personal failing that week after week I don't manage to remember But you got to remember, I learned all my lines for Leonard Part 6. And as far as I'm concerned in the memory department, that was enough. See, all you had to do is make one joke on Twitter about the drinking game that you're playing 
until I mentioned Leonard Part 6, and now you got me committed to see you drunk. Like Justin Timberlake said, I want to see you naked by the end of this song. <laughs> not, not, not really. I don't need any more penis pics. You know, somebody once at one point said, hey, Eugene, I got a good idea. Why, 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 you, why don't we exchange the dick photos? I was like, hey, I got a good idea. I got a better idea, right? I got a better idea. You take a picture of your cock and balls, and I'll take a picture of my cock and balls, and I'll just keep my picture of my cock and balls, and you keep your picture of your cock and balls. Just in case on the odd chance that I forget where they're located, I can always look on my phone and find out where my cock and balls are. And then the guy got, he got angry, like kind of angry and hurt. And then I was like, oh shit, dude was really hitting on me. I thought he was just like having a drunken fun guy moment. I didn't realize it was, you know, it was an entreaty to uh, sexual contact. That was supposed to be Mr. Merrill's cue, but he's not listening now. He's posted up in front of the, uh, uh, the real fake boxing. So uh, 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 commercials are out of the way. We've mentioned Leonard Part 6. We've made no mention of Nazis just yet until now. So if that's part of your drinking game, get in on it. And, and uh, you're going you're gonna to want to know what I've been doing the past few days. If some of you have followed me on the Twitter machine, you know that I was in living hell yesterday. Living hell specifically because of the Giga Chikatse and, uh, and uh, 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 Edson Barbosa fight. There's a real point, and you've heard me talk about it as the naked lunch moment, where whatever's on the end of your fork, as William Burroughs described it, you look at it and contemplate what it really is. No, my birthday is August 28th, so I'm going to talk about that in a second. You look at what the dead thing is on the end of your, and at some point, somebody was saying to me, they were like, oh, man, let's get some roadkill, jokingly. And I was like, I'm not going to eat that dead shit. And the guy said, you eat dead shit all the time. I go, no, I don't. This is back when I used to. And he goes, so your steak was alive when you threw it in the pan? I go, oh, I guess you're right. I go, we are carrion eaters. You know, and the only way we get through it is by to like act like we're not doing that. That's fine. I'm not, this is not a vegan show. I'm not going down that road. I'm just saying. Sometimes you look at what's on the end of the fork vis-a-vis last night's fight and you go, God damn it. The fuck am I putting in my body? So on the care, don't care, we talked about it this morning, even though it doesn't air until tomorrow at noon. And we're like, you know, I mean, Steph is like, I, I like her. She's like a, a positivist, wants it to be good. And there were good moments involved. However, however, let's weigh those good moments. And this is just a, this is a digression because I don't intend to start the show with this. I don't intend to start the show with this at all. I will conclude with it, but I'm just giving you, uh, in literary terms, what we call foreshadowing. Good moments. Kid coming up to me, giving me a, a, a kitty and a book so I can read the book to her and the kitty. Good moment. Me watching some cats, Brian Battle and some other guy from the get a piece of glass to take home in lieu of an actual check and see them happy about it and me be happy that they're happy that they got a piece of glass. And their whole future is looking at. I could have a lottery and use Monopoly money and you might win it if you like one of those guys like me that just likes winning. Doesn't matter that the money is Monopoly money unless the guy giving you the money 
uses real money to buy a $36 million beach house, then that might rankle a bit. But that's not what we're going to start with. That's not what we're going to start with. We're going to start with my birthday. So, uh, 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 which was Saturday. Now, typically in the old days, what Sorrell would do is he would have a, uh, you have to roll on your birthday uh, uh, one minute for every year you're alive, one minute for every year you're alive with no breaks. It's like monkey in the middle. You're in and they rotate guys through. Listen, the reality of it is one guy who I trained with, and I'm not going to name his name, about 18 months ago, text me, thank you, text me, fundamentally the subtext of his text was, you suck. Very much. He says, for, he, he wanted an explanation as to how it was that I got a, black, a brown belt. Right? He wanted an explanation. And an, an, another team member who is, a, who is phenomenal and uniquely gifted, like technically officially only a blue belt, but is tapping, tapping, tapping black belts with impunity. But there, there seemed to be a, 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 a discordancy in, in this guy's mind. This guy who himself has an encyclopedic knowledge of the game. But that's always been his shtick, whether it was this or that. He's always one of those cats who would be. Now, I have a friend like that who's like that about music. I've never enjoyed music with that friend. He'll, he'll have you over to his house. and go, oh, my God, have you heard this? Great. Takes out. He's got a piece of vinyl. Takes it out, puts it on the turntable, and 30 seconds in, as you're settling into the groove of the song, the feel of the song, the overall zeitgeist of the song, he goes, oh, yeah, you can see from what you've heard already that they clearly took this off that Mission of Burma cut from the 1970s show they did at the Channel in Boston. Takes it off, puts on the Mission of Burma cut from a 1970s show, 72 show they did at the Channel in Boston. You go, okay, all right, uh, okay, I'll go with that. Repeat and rinse and repeat. So at the end of 15 minutes, you've heard a collection of how many songs? You've heard snippets. You've heard you've heard 30 second snippets of like 15 songs. This guy is like that with the jujitsu knowledge. Now, you might say, um, I'll give you an example. I'm at a competition and I'm sporting a purple belt. The purple belt I'm sporting, I see the guy who used to be my coach in, in, in L.A., Marcus Vinicius. And Marcus Vinicius sees me walk up to the bullpen and with a purple belt. He looks at the belt, looks me in the eye, and he just starts shaking his head. He wasn't joking. He wasn't joking. In his mind, in his mind, you don't do this. My kid took her for oldest kid took her first steps at AKA. My oldest kid is about to be uh, 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 1997, about to be 25 years old. About to be 25 years old. That means I've been doing this for 24 years and more if you add on the other bullshit karate and then wrestling and boxing at the, at the boys club and so on. Combat wrestling started as a combat wrestler, which is really an ersatz form of catch wrestling. So that's what it started with. 
Now, I, I could be one of those guys who who actually looks at YouTube videos and Instagram videos, and I've done that before on occasion, look at that stuff, gone into class and used it and tapped people with it. Those things I remember. But all of what I've made, what, what I've done through life, it's, it's, you know, when they talk about something like muscle memory, it's like, you got to understand, I want to be conversant in jujitsu. I don't want to get lucky. I want to be able to speak the language fluently. Now, I could, I could, I could read these guys, I could get, get these videos, and I have friends, plenty of friends, and I inherit their stuff. Yeah, I inherit their stuff. They, you know, uh, black belt guide to better jujitsu, and they, they, they buy this, this, this shit, and 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 they give it to me after they figure out they've got no more use for it. They are no better than I am. More importantly, the guys who write those books didn't read books like that to get good. Cain Velasquez told me the best. He said the only way to get good at this, it he goes, he says the reality of it is. The more you do this, the more you get, the better you get. That's it. So that doesn't mean that, you know, you got the, oh, Gogo Plata. Knowing a name, uh, Mr. Stefanacci, not, uh, was it Stefanacci uh, uh, from Stives in high school once said, if you can't spell it, you don't know it. This is some version that if you don't know the name of the move, you can't do it. Lies. You keep in mind, at the Sorrell Academy, we got people who've been blue belts for eight years. Why? Because he no fuck care. He no fuck care. That's a care. It's a character issue. Can't be walking around with a Sorrell Academy thing on your jersey and, and, and be and be sucky. So this contention that I suck because technically, if you say Yuji, could you could you teach me the finer points of a gogo plata? And I could. I, I can generally describe to a layman what a gogo plata is. Another jujitsu player actually demonstrate the move to him. I probably couldn't do it. Could I pull the move off? Maybe. 50-50 chance. Now we're talking about a difference that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no problem at all saying that I suck. Later on today, we got we got a uh, a JJB. Where we compare one of the fights, it was a heel hook against a uh, against a, uh, a, a toe hold, and we recreate the circumstance on the JJB. But and there's almost no but necessary, needed, or wanted here. But I must say, if I cause you enough significant pain to make you stop doing what you're doing, I'm going to call that a win. I did a tournament that I won out in Half Moon Bay, and I hit the guy with the thing called Mother's Milk, which is a fundamentally a, a, a top position smother. The guy's nose is right here in, uh, in your sternum, and you just you pull him in, and, you, and you, you push his chest forward, and you smash down his nose and his mouth. He can't breathe. I've been gotten with that rarely. Got, got gotten by it yesterday with Sorrell, by Sorrell. And it was only because he spent five minutes before that punching me in the face and elbowing me in the eye socket. Which in my mind is fair, fair game. 
He didn't grab the scrotum, but he did elbow me in the nuts. Fair game. Because he comes from Brazilian catch wrestling and understands that the name of the game is to be able to stand up off that mat in a gladiatorial, gladiatorial fashion and walk off into the sunset. Got you. Got you. Got you. So this guy lays out that, 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 that I suck. And, and, you know, and I lay in wait. Because I don't want to be reactive. You know, I read that whole Dianetics book, the Scientology thing. I lay in wait. And there are a number of people who generally feel this way. Man, it's a running joke. Even though they don't know any other 59-year-olds who are doing as I do. No, I don't train with the Gracies. I used to. Specifically Half, ages ago. Briefly. Before the shooting in the parking lot. If you want to, uh, 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 if you want to read more about that, I can put a link up to the Ozzy article I wrote. My kid's coach was a rapist. Yeah, I got away with the titles. So this was starkly set into set into motion when 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 uh, I show up back at the Sorrell Academy after I get my my vaccine in April, start training again. Show up at one ninety two. Somebody get the get the link from Mr. JW there. It's just go to Ozzy on Google and, and type in uh coach rapist. It should come up. Or Cameron Earl. I'll write that down without derailing the show. Um yeah. You type his name in Ozzy and it'll come up. And then put the link there if you could please. So so you know, at 192, I show up because of the GI issues, and I'm just getting brutalized. I'm getting whipped up on. You guys remember the show. You remember how narrow my face was when I came back, when, when I came back, how thin my neck was, you know. Well, you know, uh, the GI thing has, has largely abated. I can, well, it, I can eat what I want. Voiding is still uncomfortable. It's not an uncomfortable mess, but it's uncomfortable. And I actually said that the other day. I'm looking forward to the day when I don't, yeah, where I don't have to think about my asshole as much. That's the day I look forward to. And people have said to me, you know, my, I got porn world friends who come to me and they go, what are you, what are you doing, man? What are you, blah, 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 blah. you know, we got some women in here who just took a, you know, a 14-inch dick up the ass. I go, hey, man, hey, hey. Anal sex with large things is very different than what happened to me. If you know you're going to take something big up the chute, you prepare for it, you, uh, 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 you, you lube it, you, you take poppers, you do whatever you got to do, and more importantly, you relax. Now, you're sitting in this easy chair for 14 months, eating the same amount of pasta, you know, doing 15 minutes to run in a day thinking that's doing something, and then you get three foot, oh, three feet of compacted bowel, you know, not going in, coming out, and you're in a hurry. Which is what happened in December 2020. You're in a hurry, so you're like, I'm just going to power through this. So I tear a little bit. It happens to porn chicks all the time. Bam! Bowl is through it full of blood. I go, ah, you know, whatever. I got places to go. I got things to do. 
The body had been given warnings the whole time. The body, and then finally my buddy goes, okay, you know what? You know what? I had it with you. I had it with you. I'm going to introduce you to something that you'll never forget. And that, if you go to the Substack, eugenesrobinson.substack.com, if you go to that and you read the thing about the Rolling Stone doctor almost killing me, then you then then you got the, the the first part of the story or the second part of the story. So it continues to be tender, but that's not the point. We're not here to talk about my anus. We're here to talk about when I went back in the 192. Yeah, colonoscopies. Yeah. But mine were done by my high school shop teacher's son. That was a strange turn of events. It did not count on that. And his father is actually the one who cut off his father cut off the tip of tip of my my little finger here. <laughs> he he had me break like a piece of glass. He goes, "Come on, Mr. Macho, come on." And he stood behind me, put his hands around my hand and and broke it like this. And it sliced off the tip of my finger. It's like, "Mr. Rubenstein, uh I'm bleeding." <laughs> he got panicked. This is in days before people sued like mad. That's not the point. Let's get back. 192, I show up. These guys, they've been laying in wait. They've been waiting for me. And they murderized me, tossed me around. I was getting tapped by blue belts. And you know what? Like in Clockwork Orange, this is the real sad, weepy portion of our tale. I took it because the only other option was to quit. But I said quietly, but loud enough so some people could hear. You're paying into a bank account, and I'm going to pay you out of later. A line I stole from Carl Gotch, who, when he started catch wrestling in Belgium, was going with grown men before the Nazis came and grabbed him out of there. Bing, another drink. And he's told them all, you're paying into a bank account. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting up to that. I am a brown belt. Which is the guy took issue with the fact that I got the brown belt on April Fool's Day two years ago. It took years to figure out, you know. So so I said, you're paying to a bank account that I pay you on later. So I've been eating four times a day. Not just soup anymore. Now I'm eating. My weight's back up. I'm about six pounds off of where I was when I left. I left at 218, 219. I'm about six pounds off. And consequently, some of the people who brutalized me, though they may have been training during the shutdown, you know, it's not a you have your technique hasn't come far enough, and your strength definitely now you're at a deficit. Marty G, who I do the JJB with, murks me all the time, but he's done that for four years. I refuse to look up uh, anything on YouTube or Instagram how to beat a deep half, and that is, is a special move. He actually taught me three things on how to beat the deep half, and I, I refuse to pay attention. I want it in the sinews, the bones of my bones. I want to know this stuff. So I say that all, all, all the preface. When you got a guy like Kevin Lee, <laughs> another wrestler who refuses who refuses to learn the finer points of jujitsu? Who's dominating when he's when he's wrestling from top, like most wrestlers are, and then gets gets his back taken by David Rodriguez, a D Rod, a guy who's not known for ground stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Keep in mind, I made the mistake and thought I picked D-Rod. Turns out, according to Steph, I did not pick D-Rod. I got gicked by Kevin Lee again. And I went through this thought process on Carry Don't Care last week. And I went through it again on this week when I explained how it is. I go, look, look. Somebody said to me in the Twitter comments, yeah, is, he, is, is Kevin Lee a gig now? I go, no, because I never expected him to win. That's not where the gig succeeds. The gig, for those of you who don't know, guy I can't trust. That's not how he succeeds. He succeeds. It's like the devil's most, what is it? The devil's greatest act was convincing you he doesn't exist. The, the gig's greatest act is to convince you that they're not a gig. So Kevin Lee actually suckered me, Lucy Van pelted me into picking him yesterday. I came in number one for the week in my picks, by the way. John Nash, dead last. That's all that matters. However, Kevin Lee has graduated from gict to gicta. Guy I can't trust anymore. Looking at my comments, I said I didn't trust him to begin with. But I thought that I was doing so from the vantage point of having safely picked who? Of having safely picked fucking D-Rod. Right? Of having safely picked D-Rod. Guess what? Guess what? I didn't pick D-Rod. I picked a guy who got choked out by a guy who doesn't know how to choke people out. And now he's doing his very public soul-searching that will probably get him another. He doesn't win the West Sims Award, the WSA. The WSA right now is owned by one man and one man only, Smiling Sam Alvey, who has lost like seven of his last fights, and there's not even a glimmer of talk about cutting the guy. Not a glimmer. I thought so, too. You <laughs> see what was he in jail for? What, parking tickets? Come on. Give me that narrative. You know, when Gil Melendez, they want to do some package deal on Gil Melendez, I think when Strike Force was with CBS or something like that, and they wanted him to like, do you have any roosters? Gil was too nice of a guy. He goes, no, but he should have said, but I got a sombrero and a, a poncho. I could get my, some of my lowrider friends to come over. The fuck are you talking about? I got my old brother to come over, I say. <laughs> come on with that shit. I'm glad Gil shot it down. Like, nah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Can't help you with that. Roosters. I live in fucking Marina Del Rey. I give them roosters. A- a- anyway, anyway, so Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee tricks me into picking Kevin Lee and is now doing this soul searching. And, and, and I have to say, I have to say, given his age, I, he, all of these cats, you got to understand that the bald one wants one thing and one thing only. Thank you. They, they, they want their fighters over their barrels. Doesn't seem like with the biggest, the most well-paid athlete in the world, uh, uh, the accused rapist Conor McGregor doesn't seem like he's over a barrel. Of course he's over a barrel. Where else is he going to go? He's got a Jake Paul fight in his future, and uh, that's pretty much it. 
trying to talk a beeb out of retirement, make him angry enough. You got nothing. You, like I tell guys I'm rolling against in jiu-jitsu, when, to, to anger and infuriate them as we're rolling together, you got nothing. And that serves everybody's purpose. Who's everybody? No, it serves the bald one's purpose. You don't think, you don't think that, uh, do you, do you think, do you actually think that Johnny Boney Joni is going to, is going to win this thing with the bald one? I'm not saying the bald one doesn't book that fight. I'm saying he will never win this thing. You know, it. He twists his ankle going to the bathroom at 3.30 in the morning over just tripping over a kid's toy. The bald one is calling the next day for the fight. Because it's not money that motivates the bald one. I know we talk about sausages and, sausages and plates. It's not money. It's not money. It's not money. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've met cats like him. And and it, it, I'm shocked and disappointed that it always takes me time to figure this out. It takes me time to figure it out. I'm shocked and disappointed that it takes me time to figure it out. I'm like, hmm, is it, are they here for the money? Is it, is it, they, 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 they like, they like uh, power. Is it here to power? Is it is it fame? I'm trying to. Is it because they're a pussy? Is it what? What is what is a sin qua non? What is a unique device? You know, uh, um, I mean, what is it? What is a motivating factor? Figure that out. Figure the man out. At this point now, what does money mean to the bald one? Nothing. Nothing. How do I know you? When was the last time you threw a $2,000 tip at a waitress or a $10,000 dip to a, to a Brazilian hooker? It doesn't mean nothing, nothing to him, nothing, nothing. Listen to, get yourself this, get yourself this with the lyric sheet. But power is a macro system, right? Power could mean anything. I'm sure Randy Couture felt pretty powerful for a period of time. I mean, that's what all these shows have been leading up to when we talk about mercy, forgiveness, paradiso, purgatorio, inferno, good, evil. Real power is an extension of your belief system, like Nietzsche suggests, beyond all of that. We're talking like Thanos stuff, right? Beyond all of that. Ideation, actualization. That's it. That's it. I mean, the degree to which I'm happy in any given day is a degree to which I can do more of what makes me happy and less of what doesn't make me happy. That's it. It's really simply it. That's it. 
if 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 I have a day where where a hundred percent I'm doing what I want to do, that's a red. I'm just I'm like that's never exist. Not in my life. I've had days that are pretty close, but lurking in the background as as, as like it's like a subwoofer, you know, utility bill, car payment. It's all this kind of sub rows of stuff that indicates that clearly I'm not doing any of everything I want. And certainly not for any lengthy period of time, which puts a clock on it, which makes it feel shitty. So if you don't understand what's happening right now with the with the Pauls and, and the bald one, you don't know that this is an elemental battle between between, you know, between a, a, a power mad God, and, you know, and and a, a you know insurgent insurgent um, you know a, a son. Do you realize? Okay, what does the jungle want? Yeah, we all love T wood, but the reality of it is, the reality of it is, the best thing in the world for everybody is if T wood loses his fight. Everybody. Exactly. Murder Kronos. Exactly. T Wood. T Wood is a diminished, uh, a diminished MMA fighter who's got no more juice. Despite his his contretemps with uh, with uh, the bald one, he's got nothing. He's a man over a barrel. Now, the journalist and musician. Yeah, you think you think Ozzy let me do what I want? <laughs> we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> the finer points of that later. T Wood wins this fight. He's a guy over a barrel, and you gotta defend Paul. Okay, now Paul, admittedly, he, there are two of them. There's a brother. There's a, there, there's a brother. They can play this out a little bit longer. The best thing of all possible worlds, he, T. Wood is competitive, but loses a decision. That way he gets a bounce back fight, maybe with the other Paul brother. I mean, keep in mind, we're talking full on theater. That's precisely what we're talking about. There are no rankings that, uh, on which the Paul brothers' names enter. And now you see all bets are off. It's all crazy time talk. Because how many rap, hip-hop records can you make? Woodley is now proclaiming he's going to be a boxing champ. It, this is, my friend, I used to work with this guy, Jim Coughlin. I'm quite sure he's dead. I would hope not. I would hope not. He was a West Point guy, and he said, yeah, they used to call us ring knockers because you get your West Point ring, and you're always knocking on stuff because you always want to draw attention to it. But he said they would have – he was talking about one of this other guy that we worked with, Floyd Painter, another military guy. And he, Floyd Painter had, like, left the Navy to join the Marines or something because he wanted to see some action during Vietnam. I could have that wrong. We're talking 1987. My memory gets kind of fuzzy. And he, he said he improved the standards of both organizations. Took me, took me like a year to understand what he meant. By leaving the Navy, 
by being a shitty uh, uh, sailor and leaving the Navy. He improved the standards of the Navy, but he went to the Marines where they were all shitty. And so he improved, <laughs> he improved the standards of both organizations. So it's a way for a Navy guy to take a sweep at the Navy. You know, it was, it was actually a very amusing West Point joke that completely applies here. These bo- these these the now the wall has proven itself to be successfully porous. These guys could bounce back and forth. GSP putting the bald one on blast for him standing in the way of his fight with Pacquiao and says, "Yeah, when well, my contract runs out for two years, so this this these topo Gigio, these plates that are spinning, they will be spinning two years from now, and you know you're going to want to see GSP fight whoever whatever diminished boxer is sitting at home sick of making hip hop records." Proving the standards of both organizations because they are both degraded, sucked to death by overweight, poisonous toads and ticks who don't care about money and don't care about uh, the fighters, certainly, their human resources, their concerns beyond, beyond. Beyond good and beyond evil, <laughs> transnational, global, crushing power. That's it. So you have these discontinuities that happen, disruptions. Everybody in Silicon Valley is talking about disruptors, 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 disruptors. You know what? You know what a what a what a what a common friend of of ours. Had, described, had said to me about proud boy Gavin McInnes. Yeah, precisely. Trans good or trans evil. I like that. He told me that he saw with his own eyes. It's not like he told, a guy told him. He saw with his own eyes Gavin McInnes take a shit in the middle of an intersection. Now, it would have been a ballsy enough maneuver to just go stand in the middle of an intersection. I had a friend who was very much a tough guy. He goes, Eugene, I'm a fucking anarchist. I'd do anything. I go, really? You do anything? Take a shit right here. Because I, I, I would not do that. <laughs> okay. McInnes did this. I can't think of what com- could compel me. See, we have light motifs during the show. It's not like I don't plan this. I'm, but I'm not taking shits in the middle of intersections. A friend of mine had to stop his father from taking a shit on my other friend's car. He goes, my friend whose car was about to be shit on, do you, have you ever met anybody who had to stop their father from shitting on somebody's car? I go, nope. He goes, well, you have now. I love this guy. Turns out the guy's like two years older than me. I know a guy, he played football for a professional team for a period of time back in the 80s, whose father decided to come along with him to a bachelor party they go, hey, Rob, where's your dad? He looks, he goes, oh, that's him there. And he's laying on the floor with a rolled up $10 bill in his mouth while the stripper lowers her vag on the $10 bill to kind of suck it. He goes, yeah, that's my dad. His dad was? <laughs> Let's just yank the, yank the bed sheets back on this one. His dad was <laughs> a multi-millionaire you know, industrialist. <laughs> Gavin McInnes, scion, multimillionaire family. 
You know who never did stuff like that? The blue collar cats I, I worked out with in Ridgewood, Queens. They never did stuff like that. <laughs> Wouldn't even think of it. So when you get this disruption in an actual fact with, the, with the, what, what has been made possible via social media with this Paul Brothers stuff, introduced to me, introduced to me by my kids. I didn't know from Jake Paul from nothing uh, uh, eight months ago. My youngest, my next, I keep saying, my next to youngest daughter told me about this guy, Paul. He's an influencer, social media sensation. I'm like, who? And then I see him like in front of some mansion with some hot car and he's doing like making the hip hop hand motions. I was like, hey, I, I got no time for this. But you got to understand that this guy, this guy is a savior, not even in disguise. We were talking about the Cal Scalact effect, but who? Who can rescue this sport? And you got to understand, it is not, it is not about money. Money is, is, is the mobilizer in this instance. It is the mobilizer, but neither one of those cats are there for the money at this point. One, because as young as he is, he doesn't have any real conception of it outside of knowing, I don't have to go to dad for money anymore, and I think I'm rich. But when you see guys like Quake, Clay Guida rolling the truck up still and like, you know, rolling the truck up <laughs> and getting a sandwich bag full of cash. You know, let me tell you something. A friend of mine made his name is Robert Klein, made a documentary about uh, uh, or he's working on a documentary about Muay Thai fighters. And he was telling me Muay Thai fighters, good ones in Thailand. Get paid with meat. I was like, ah, yeah, I thought he was just using slang for cash. I had not heard it. He goes, no, no, I filmed it. They step out of the ring. I go, well, maybe that was just an extra gift. He was like, that's it. I trained with some of these guys. They got meat. Meat. Glad you got your head kicked in for 12 rounds. Here's a cut of meat. Can I use this to buy rent? Bad. Bad. So that this guy should come and say, you know, this is we want to talk about total, absolute good, absolute evil. This is, listen, Paul. I'm not entirely sure that he that that, that he's at a point where he, I mean, everybody needs cash, okay? Especially if you're 25 and you got any view of the future, you go, hey, what am I going to be doing when I'm 55? But he didn't have to do any of this. And it's being done right now. So, so if if T Wood loses, this train continues, and he starts delivering salvo after salvo at the bald one for his 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 miserable miserly pace schema, fully supported by the cats at Endeavor. By the way, don't do not think the Emmanuels Ari Emmanuel is a friend of the fighter. These guys are ignoramuses when it comes to the fighters. They don't know who, they don't know their asses from a hole in the ground. They, you know, I mean, maybe you got, I've seen at the fights, Forrest Whitaker, Stanley Tucci. I've seen a bunch of famous people at the fights and, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're real fight fans, but these cats who are signing checks, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. It's like, oh, they say, and it's a freaky night out. The cats at, at Endeavor were all excited when they met me in New York City at some at some big confab. Guy was all excited about PBR. 
not Paps Blue Ribbon, but professional bull riding. It's a twist. Mika Schechter was this woman who was, was my agent for a period of time. Her, her father was all Irv Schechter, the Schechter agency in L.A., was all excited. They got tickets to the fight. And she goes, oh, I don't even know what the fight was, but you know, my father took me, and, and then, then I got blood on my shirt, and I ran out. It turns out it was one of the biggest fights. It was like Pacquiao and Mayweather. She didn't know who it was. They didn't know who these people were. They didn't give a shit. They got, like, ringside seats. Playthings of the rich. Playthings of the rich. Yeah, Brazilians are the canaries in the coal mine. If Brazilians are populating professional bull riding, you got to know. It's like, okay, let me tell you, Mr. Powerful Guy, what do you care about? Professional bull riding. I'll see you in the ring. No. No. Get me a bull. Get me a bull. I did this documentary this week. This guy shows up. It's called Hidden Scenes, and he films me for like two, three hours. And one of the things he wants to talk about is places that had vibrant music scenes and have done, and, they, and everybody else is kind of moaning and groaning about the tech guys. And, and Kasha said something, said, look, listen, let me tell you something. You know, people without souls are always attracted to people with souls. Always. I just drove through San Francisco and I saw an art supply store in a neighborhood where the bottom of the hill is. It was kind of used to be a funky neighborhood and now they're building these expensive condos. Nobody I know who paints can afford any of the paint from that paint store, but the people who live around there, it gives them a warm, fuzzy feeling. They're fucking culture vampires and that's okay because they come with cash and they spend it to imbue themselves with a sense of soul. I've been in somebody's place. This woman invited me to a place once and I go in and I had an eerie sensation. I had been there before. Eerie sensation that I'd been there before. I get home. I go, where the I'm picking up a Pottery Bond catalog, about to put it in the recycling. and go, she just took the whole, just like went in and said, do that. Do, do that. It looks like a Pottery Barn catalog. People without soul want soul. And when that soul ceases to exist, I gave a prime example in this documentary, Ed Roche. Don't know if you know who Ed Roche is. Ed Roche is sorry, a blue-collar guy, lithographer, printer in Los Angeles. Decided, well, you know, I think he was working in Long Beach or something, or maybe he started out in Venice. He's like, screw it. I'm going to get a place here in Venice. Nobody wanted to live in Venice back then. Or Long Beach, I'm confused. Ed Roche, I'm pretty sure it was Venice. Ed Roche moves in, is a printmaker, becomes a hot shit artist. His stuff is sold by Sotheby's, million dollars. Dennis Hopper, A-level prime vampire. And I only say that I had a passing association with the man who was supposed to do an interview for me in The Birth of Tragedy, and then he died. So I can say this. He says, man... I was out to visit Roche. I'm going to move to Venice. Dennis Hopper moves to Venice. All the, all, all the tough guy monks, M-A-N-Q-U-E, say, hey, you know here, Hopper is moving there? Sean Penn next gets trailer. He just gets an Airstream trailer, $60,000 piece of uh, aluminum, puts it in, in Venice. And next thing you know, Venice is, you know, uh, Bukowski thought that Hopper was a phony. I liked Hopper, and Hopper was an artist. <laughs> His photographs say that. 
but he was also a Hollywood guy. And eventually you get now where you can get avocado toast in Venice. And, you know, even from the time of, of, uh, of uh, suicidal tendencies where Venice was supposed to be a man, MS-13, it was supposed to be Sorenos, it was supposed to, it should, yeah. I can't afford to live in Venice. Either Venice, Venice, Italy, or uh, Venice, LA, I can't afford it. Last time I was there, I was on a, on a porn set with Mr. Marcus. And that was a pretty downbeat scenario, but that was at this point 20 years ago. So it still has downbeat elements, and that's what it's resistant. Like New York City, even though they got rid of Times Square and all, it's resisted being being completely sucked dry by vampires. But I, I had to say, look, if you live in a neighborhood for more than 10 years and you haven't fu- figured out how to buy in, you're temporary and you need to embrace that fact. And more importantly, if you take your art, little art supplies and go off to some other place and make art, whether it's music, graphics, you know, any anything that's edgy, edgy and outlier, jujitsu, all that stuff, you got to account for account for the fact that as soon as that smell of that gets to these other soulless edge seekers, that they're going to populate your place. And one important thing is, once it once they get there, those corpses never revive. Athens, Georgia, it's a perfectly fine place. But it's not what it was like when the REM was a same with where the B-52s are, where Nirvana, Seattle, all these places that were once hot are no longer that way. And, and, and they are talk about lost battalion. They still think it's where it's at. It's not where it's at. And they're still walking around, talking, talk, telling people, trying to convince people that they're cool. Have you ever successfully convinced anybody that you were sexy by telling them that you were sexy? I mean, <laughs> you can, but your game has to be very, very good. <laughs> you say it enough times, maybe somebody will believe it. <laughs> so, so, so the the point is, you, you get, you get, you get Paul. This, 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 you know, this, this uh, disruptor of the high alpha prime disruptor. And you got, you know, keep in mind, Bob Arum, Don King, they're still around, but these guys are insignificant. They're dead men walking. Oscar De La Hoya can't, can't shit straight. No, 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 no. We're talking about the bald one. That's it. The Emmanuels don't give a shit. Guy leading this three-ring circus is the bald one. So Paul's got to come out of this thing tonight with a win. Soundly defeating, soundly being defeated by 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 T Wood gets his his dance card is not scratched, but it's much shorter. His brother could pick up the baton and run with it, but it gives a talking point that makes his voice a little less loud when it comes to hoisting and he's now challenging a bald one to a fight that's that's a number one trollery genius the bald one you gotta understand the bald one this is a life and this is elemental like that movie with christopher with vigo mortensen and and uh who's that cat uh who i love from queens 
the guy who played the, the, the uh, oh my, the guy who played the watch guy up the ass from Pulp Fiction. I suddenly can't remember dude's name. Come on, you gotta. Oh God. Oh, come on. Am I the only? Uh, no, the watch up the guy ass in Pulp Fiction. I love this guy. Uh, Deer Hunter, uh, uh, True Romance. Uh, uh, <laughs> What's the matter with you guys? You guys are stupider than I am. The guy, the tall, lanky guy who was in this movie, the evil movie with Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> no, no, no. I carried this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. Christopher Walken, thank you. Thank you. So Christopher Walken, that, that movie where he's in with Viggo Mortensen, where they play the angels in search of uh, 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 Viggo plays the devil with these angels, sons of God, in search of the, the most evil soul in the world. So that they can use they can use this guy's soul to fight another war in heaven. It's a great movie. Most, if, singularly for, for Viggo Mortensen's line, um, I will lay you out and fill your mouth with your mother's excrement. That's a great. That's a great line. A guy got in the park in a a a, a, a kind of vehicular uh, confrontation. One of the guys at jujitsu with some guy in the parking lot, and he was like, "I didn't know what to do." I, you know, he's like, "Oh, you know, my thing is always encouraging somebody to hit me first, so then I can make the claim that I'm defending myself." So you tell somebody like, well, you have to be careful. You can't say, I'm going to kill you because then the guy said, I was threatened. I was assaulted. So it has to be, I said, I suggested, if you make me get out of this car, I'm going to pull down your pants and spank your naked ass like the child you are. And that'll set most people off, most men. But at some point, you got to weave it into the conversation. Even though I think technically it constitutes a threat, I will lay you out and fill your mouth with your mother's excrement. That's 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 potent. That's that's potent. <laughs> so um, so this is the bald one and the Pauls are doing this dance. Given his age and his position, I don't think Paul's going to go away anytime soon. And he stays solvent as long as he keeps winning. As soon as he stops winning, then the upper hand and the PR battle belongs to the bald one. I'm not going to talk to either. I'm not negotiating with some Disney kid who got pasted by some guy who lost his last six fights for the UFC. Repeat that 10 times, and suddenly a guy doesn't have as much juice. Unless, of course, T. Wood shows up driving a Rolls Royce, and then people might start paying attention again. The reality of it is, cats are talking. Cats are talking, saying, like, I got paid more. I got paid more sparring with one of the Paul brothers than I ever did in my entire MMA career, which is entirely possible. You can't. Paul's not going to make enough money and say adios. Why would he do that? <laughs> How many hip-hop records is that guy going to make? These guys are young guys. It's like Dirty Harry said, Clint Eastwood said, Dirty Harry. He's going to kill again. How do you know? Because he likes shit. Likes it. As far as I know, these guys are single guys. It might be heterosexual, you know. Seems like uh, it seems like these are things that are a successful prescription for future living. 
might attract some girls. You, you know, who knows? This might be a good thing. You might want to stay there. There were some rumors that one of the things he said during to Mayweather during their exhibition bout was like, hey, man, take it easy out there. <laughs> or some variation, some version of that if you read through it. Now, now if, I, if, I, if I'm T. Wood, it's like, look, I don't live with boxers, right? But at the same time, I don't want to be the cat walking around like Nate Robinson, like, oh, you're the guy who got beat by the Disney kid. But there are lots of things that happen before a fight gets concluded. You know, for a long time, I thought I could beat Paul. <laughs> In straight-up boxing, I have to admit, after seeing uh, one of his fights, I have to admit, nah, I don't I'm 59. However, the difference between me and any of these cats is much like Jake Shields once suggested. I said, his brother is also a black belt. I go, how is that when you guys roll together? He said, if Clement, ever, his brother's name is Clement, if Clement ever gets close to getting me in anything, I go, yeah. He goes, if Clement ever gets close to getting me anything, I just straight punch him in the face. So it would be pro wrestling with me. I, I get hit once by a Jake Paul and, I, and it stings. I'm taking him down and I'm biting his ear and I'm elbowing him in the eye socket and it'll take a bunch of people to pull me off. Oh, well, guess I went for the DQ. Do I still get paid? I'm not about to get beat by a Disney kid. Sorry. I can't have that happen. Not today, not any day. In other words, I cheat. (laughs) I'm I'm not above that. Not above that at all. Not above that. I don't think Woodley would take a dive. But at some point, somebody, and it's not always the guy you think, at some point, somebody comes to you and they spell it out. Win or lose, you walk away with 10 mil at base. But, you know, we're trying to keep this hype train going. It's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. It puts money in everybody's pockets. You know, get an eye poke, get a groin shot, can't continue. Get a pull muscle, something. Somebody sits on your shoulder and whispers something in your ear. Somebody. And if you're not stupid, you hear and you understand. I'm just hearing, you hear and you understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and this is where we get into, this is where we get into issues that are those gray, when we said, I don't, I said, I don't have too much for honor, loyalty, respect, I don't have too much patience for those kind of things. But this is where you get into interesting ethical grounds. Ben Askren Walked away a richer man. Ben Asker was, I was hearing mumbles about, "Ah, he still doesn't like to think about it. Yeah, well, because you're a warrior and that you wanted to do, but I have mixed feelings. 
the the conversation in the in the back of the car and on the waterfront that was a conversation between brothers and that was about brotherhood those guys are not brothers that conversation is very different and i'm going with rod steiger on that conversation Very simple. I'm going with Rod Steiger in that situation. So you know, like or Jake Lamotta, where Jake Lamotta decides to take a dive because he's been he's getting pressure put on him and he can't quote the line from that Fifty Cent movie, "Get Rich or Die Trying." Do you know where you are? You got to know where you are. You got to know where you are. I mean, I'm sure, you know, or let's go to Pulp Fiction. Let's go to another movie. Let's go there. Pride hurts. Pride hurts. And now the stakes are beyond that. Stakes are, you, you, got, you got a nation of fighters turning their lonely eyes up to you. Yeah, they don't like to be the guy who beats, beats either one of the Pauls. And do the bald ones dirty work? Keep those guys solvent. Keep, I know he said some shit to your mother. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Keep those guys solvent. You don't think somebody's got a vested interest in keeping them solvent? What the fuck do you think Mayfl- Mayweather did? What do you think he did? Now, I'm confused as to why he's doing what he's doing. Why would he make the accused rapist Conor McGregor rich? I'm not really confused, but it just sounds better when I say I'm confused. He's got a piece of all these guys. Not going to make another hip hop record. He's got to make another million dollars. On the low, low, low end. He's not going to end up like a Vander Holyfield. He's not going to end up like Joe Lewis. He is not. Guy can't read that well. You know what he can read? Numbers. So I don't know what's going to happen in uh, 15, a, a 23 minutes. But if they but blench, we know our course. I mean, <laughs> how long do you think it will take? It will take the pause to shame shame that percent that 16 percent 17 percent that fighters get from the bald one to 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 shame that number into 20 23 24 percent hollywood's based on favorability ratings q ratings i give it two years can they stay solid for two years at this point i actually hope so i was gonna start in an hour oh my god uh, yeah, well, if you got your legal stream going, you know, what can I say? Anyway, that's the end of the show. The kid just went to bed, so I can't scream for my exit as I want to do. If you haven't subscribed to the Substack, please subscribe. Subscribe to the Substack. Say that ten times fast. Please subscribe to the Substack. Lisa Suckdog is the current uh, uh, Five Easy Pieces subject. Today it'll be up all week, and then it's archived. So you can read it. Uh, Lisa Suckdog is a name that she chose for herself. Uh, she's now using her real last name, Lisa Carver, and she's on the verge of having an A and E TV show about her. 
Um, she uh, had the distinction of being pimped out by her father uh, for fucking by his friends when she was a child. It is an exceedingly dark story. If you are likely to be triggered by it, you now know what it's about so you can skip it. But if you subscribe to the newsletter, it'll let you know. It automatically will show up. Also, if you hit the little bell thing, when this show goes live, it will it will notify you as well. So do that. Also give me a thumbs up if you'd like. I don't know why I say that, except Kid Nate told me to say it, so I'm saying it. Later on tonight, you will get a notification for the JJB. If that's to your liking, you can see the heel hook versus the toe hole controversy. Tomorrow at noon, care, don't care. And Tuesday night, there is a, if the shoes fit. This, this week is John Nash's week. And other than that, we'll see you soon. Kids sleeping. So I'll just end with, look what you made me do. Ah, so long.